Good morning, good afternoon. Good morning, good evening, good afternoon, ladies and gentlemen. And welcome to the Careers Cash. Today's episode will be uh, will be about family recipes and the history behind them. Today's interviewee we will be or the person we interviewed today will be a family member of mine. It's my grandmother. For the moment, we couldn't get her to do the interview, but we asked her a set of questions. The questions we asked her, the questions we asked her will range upon how she learned the recipe and if there's any meaning or how it makes her feel. One of the questions we asked her is, where did she learn the recipe? She said that she learned the recipe through her mother-in-law three months after her and her husband got married. After her and her husband got married. We kept following up with that question with how long has this recipe been in the family for? She said throughout it, it's been in the family for almost 40 years or more. Well, 40 years and counting. This is also connected to our one of the other questions we asked was who taught you to make this recipe and where did he get it the recipe from going back to saying it's going back to the question where she said that she learned it from her mother-in-law because her mother-in-law stated that she's not part of the family We asked her about the recipe and what good memories does the, the, does the recipe relate to. She said that a good memory that the recipe relates to is bringing the family together with a common, a, with a tasty dish. And sorry for not mentioning it, but the dish we're talking about is mole with uh, pollo. We asked her what was satisfying about making that, re- the, that recipe. She said because it's fast, tasty, and very... and very simple to make. We asked her about it, like, what's the best time to eat it? She asked. She got confused when that we asked her that question, and we gave her examples. And that gave, what she gave us was, it could, be, uh, it could be eaten any time of the year, 
from rain to from dusk to dawn or one depends on the weather important questions we asked her were about it or also relating to our hist- my history such our history is well, did this recipe originate in a different country outside of the U.S. or before it was a territory taken over by the U.S.? We had to do research about it, and basically we came up. Well, the, we just found out it was it's native to Mexico. It's pre-Spaniard. Only when the Spanish came to Mexico and colonized it, the recipe wasn't ruined or it kept on improving with better ingredients that kept on coming from back then the new world. Another question. The question we had to ask ourselves was how does this recipe relate to the experiences that I have learned in my history class and how does this recipe and the question I also asked her how does this recipe how does this recipe relate to how does this recipe relate to how your family assimilated or exerted agency for the first questions for the people's experience is more of a it's, it's I didn't have a quite answer for it the second question she said there was nothing of, of simulation or a, showing any form of agency the dish is 100% Mexican it just kept on improving over time. Another question relating to our family that we asked was how did your family come to the US or slash California? Or became colonized by the US? The answer she gave us was well, a lot of our family members to the late twentieth century just came here on visit. Her straight answer is, we came here on visit, and the place, we, we like this place, and we decided to stay. And one of our final questions we asked her about, well, one of the final questions I had to ask myself was, keeping your family, sister, and this recipe, and how does it, be to, how does it mean to be American? I also asked her the question, and for us, we couldn't come up with a clear answer. So the answer we kind of mostly heard came up with is uh, our family is mostly Mexican and made up by Mexican people. But recently, in the past 20 years, we ha- it has become a bit more diverse. And when she said that, it came to mind to one of my family members, an aunt of mine married a an American and her kids are well half white half Mexican and there she's like oh that her son-in-law like really loves uh, Mexican food and the culture 
Well, that's all we have for the interview. Stay tuned, and we'll have an interview with the author of the book Like Water for Chocolate, Laura Escobar. The sponsor of the Courier's Cash today is the Mojave Express. Speedy delivery and delivering the mail all across the Mojave Wasteland. It's a service we can all get behind. The Mojave Express, the best mail service all across the Mojave. Welcome back, ladies and gentlemen, to the Courier's Cash. Coming up next is an interview with the author of the book for Water Like Chocolate, Laura Escobar. Thank you, Six, for having me today on the podcast. Ms. Escobar, the, today's topic of today's episode is family recipes and the story behind them. I have read your book and I was curious about a quote in a specific chapter in in the chapter of June, page 110, and its use of imagery in the quote. The quote for the chapter is, She strode across the patio and opened the door. There she met a pleasant woman around 80 years old. She looked like Nacha. A thick braid was woven around her head, and she was wiping her sweat from her brow next to her apron. Her features were plainly Indian. Well, the use of imagery in this quote is symbolic because Tita has seen the apparition of Dr. Brown's grandmother. Seeing her, the apparition is giving her like a feeling of warmth and security. Uh, also, one more thing I wanted to ask you about your book. It's like, it's a quote, it's another quote from one of the previous chapters, February, on page 28. The quote states, Tita stopped beating the cake and took the egg in her hand. The sound was quite clear. She could hear a baby chick peeping inside the shell. She held the egg close to her ear, and the peeping got louder. And what I could tell from that quote was the use of magical realism in it. Magical realism is implemented in this quote by the Tita hearing the creeping inside the egg while nobody else can hear it. Um, what it could symbolize is how she might be having some form of maternal instincts due to the fact of her nephew being taken away, the one person that she feels motherly to. So maybe in her mind she heard the peeping of the egg, like the peeping coming from the egg, which it, it was there was no sound, which and drive it forward. Well, ladies and gentlemen, we have asked Miss Escobar a few questions about 
specific quotes in her book, like Water for Chocolate. And that will be enough for today on the podcast. Thank you for joining me today, Ms. Esquivel, and taking some time and taking time out of out of your day to join us. You're welcome, Six, for having me on the podcast. It was a nice experience joining you on the podcast today. Well, that's all for today, my fellow careers. Stay tuned to the Careers Cash for new episodes. Thank you.